just don't know. I'm going to try and do my best right now to talk about the, uh, the protests that have followed George Floyd. George Floyd murder. Uh, this is meaning what? And I'm Matt Wiseman. So there's been a spate of um, police and ex-police uh, killing black people in the U.S. Ahmad Arbery was 25, and on February 23rd, he was running on the street. He was just jogging, and three men in a pickup truck tried to stop him. They tried to cut him off, and they tried to... Um, stop him from running and he ran around them and eventually they did stop him and there was um, Gregory McMichael was an an ex uh, police officer and a private investigator for the local prosecution, the local um, attorneys and his son Travis had a shotgun and killed Ahmad Ramari and the first um, lawyer that got it recused herself because she was involved with Gregory McMichael. Um, and then the second district attorney, uh, name is George Barhill, the, the district attorney of Waycrest, Georgia. He sent a letter to the police department that was going to charge the the Mike Michaels and their friends um, and he sent a letter to the the Glencrest uh, the Waycrest sorry um, the county PD the GCPD recommending that they not arrest that there was not sufficient evidence that they were legally um, could carry and it was self defense and so they didn't charge these people and they were left. They were allowed to go home and there was no there was no charging against them because they had killed somebody. And it wasn't until um, his mother, uh, Ahmed Abri's mother, asked him to recuse himself that he did, uh, George Barhill, the, the DA of Waycrest. Um, but he had sent this letter first. No action was really taken against these men until the video surfaced, multiple videos of them killing Ahmed Arbery. And he, there was some traction then, but this is systemic, you know, we can't really talk about the murder of black people in America by the police or ex-police without seeing how the system protects these people, protects the police. They have this culture of protection and immunity as if they have the right to kill black people and they're not even charged there seems to be no justice or no right to life if you're black in America obviously it's bigger than that Brianna Taylor uh, from Louisville, Kentucky on March 13th, 26-year-old EMT working during the pandemic, was at home in bed with her boyfriend and three men 
came to their door and she ended up shot dead in her bed shot eight times the details are very sketchy but she wasn't armed and they killed her in her own bed it turns out that they had a a no-knock warrant and they could be in plain clothes they were in the wrong address And lastly, um, George Floyd, who we're going to talk about today. Uh, we also have, there's, there's been a lot of shooting and killings during the protests. So I'm not going to downplay that, but we're not going to really discuss it today. But George Floyd on May 25th kind of was this final flashpoint in Minneapolis, Minnesota. He, he and some friends of his bought some things at a local convenience store. They left and they were sitting in the car outside, maybe, you know, eating some chips, having a soda, eating lunch, whatever. Um, but the convenience store owner had called the police and said that he suspected that the $20 bill that was paid for these things uh, was fake. One police officer, one police car responds and they call in reinforcements to get another police cruiser. Um, they go and talk to the people in the car. The cruiser the officers stay with the car and George Floyd is taken out because I guess he was the one and he was brought back across the street. And this is all recorded. And he was, was talked to. Two more police cru- cruisers show up. So there's four police cruisers there at the scene for a $20 bill. There ends up being four police officers that are interacting with Floyd. Why one, I think he was the Park Service, was actually sitting with his friends across the street. And even a crowd shows up. So the last cruiser has um, two men, Der- Derek Chauvin and his partner. And Derek Chauvin is the veteran. and He's training these two other men who are new to the job on what to do. He also has multiple assault cases and civilian complaints against him. And he is the role model. He, um, George Floyd was 46. He, he instructed two of the officers, one to to stand lookout to make sure nobody gets close to them while they have George Floyd handcuffed on the pavement in the street outside of their cruiser. Two men, two of the other two officers are on his back, pinning him down with all their weight and Derek Chauvin is got his knee on the neck of George Floyd and George Floyd is saying I can't breathe calls for his mother he asks for help there's a group of people there and even the, the 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 son or the nephew, somebody related to the convenience store comes out and says, stop it, stop it. And they get pushed away by the last cop that is standing guard. And they're on, they're being recorded. And Derek Chauvin, who's got his knee on this man's neck, looks up, his hands in his pockets as if he's doing nothing. He looks right at the camera and 
just continues to kill this man. Eight minutes and 46 seconds, George Floyd has been unresponsive for three minutes. He's been dead for over three minutes. These men get away with it. The ambulance takes away George Floyd's body and the city erupts in violence when these videos get out. Because, not because this is a particular egregious issue, it is. But it's a familiar story. It's happened way too often. We have hundreds of people being killed a year by police officers. And they call it self-defense and they call it in the line of duty. We have every right to be angry about this. Because an unarmed cooperative man was handcuffed, then suffocated, and then he had a knee put on the back of his neck to the point where he was dead. What could have George Floyd done? Even if he had $120 bills, $2,000 of fake money, and it got passed off, is that worth his life? What is a black person's life worth in America? If you're poor in America and you don't have a lot of options and the crime is part of your daily life, what is your life worth? These are the issues. This is the importance of this whole issue. There's uh, two big organizations that are in part of um, trying to end police brutality. Uh, one that's very much involved in this uh, and become this kind of flashpoint for the George Floyd protests. So first we'll talk about Campaign Zero because they have been working on police and trying to make sure police don't kill people for years. And they have very comprehensive policies. Um, they want to end broken windows policy, which is basically came through uh, after the crime bill, but it's basically in the early 90s, where if you do so much as break a window, you need to be treated severely. And so that becomes the policy um, throughout the nation. If you're going to make graffiti, then you, you, know, you can forfeit your life because police need to be feared and respected. That's a broken windows policy. They need to stop that. We need to have proportional responses. Uh, community oversight. Limit the use of force, independent investigation and prosecution. If something goes wrong, we need somebody outside to make sure it, it can be right. Um, the use of force, just disarm these people. We do not need as many guns in the hands of police as we have. Community representation. Body cams and yeah, the ability to film the police. We need as much cameras on these people as possible. Different kinds of training so they can not approach a situation with a gun in hand or a taser in hand and try a pepper spray and indiscriminately try and oppress and repress the, the civilians, people they're supposed to be protecting. 
It's people that they're supposed to be serving. These are public servants and for-profit policing. That's a no-brainer. Privatization of a police force is insane. Privatization of a the criminal justice system, you know, incarceration is insane. We should never, ever have that. Nine, demilitarization. We don't need wars. We don't need wars on our streets. Why are you arming people as if it's a war? And 10, uh, fair police union contracts. Well, a union contract means that they, a union should fight for the safety and the, uh, the profitability of the, in the wages, the livability of their members. Now, police contracts have been overly stated and have actually strong-armed different cities and states, and they are now being funded excessively, and they're given tasks excessively. And so we need to really work on that and work on what we're going to to do about it. Black Lives Matter um, has become this flashpoint for um, in this movement, and they've taken over a lot of the George Floyd movement. And they are they they propped up after um, the Ferguson riots, the, the Ferguson protests, in which. Uh, a man was killed by the police then during Barack Obama's administration, uh, I believe it's 2016. And they've always been an organization that had a very simple idea that black people deserve justice and they matter. And our culture says differently. So they, they, they have these calls, um, here, and this is their protest uh, and how they've tried to decide this. We call for an end to systemic racism that allows this culture of corruption to go unchecked and our lives to be taken. We call for a national defunding of police. We demand investment in our communities and the resources to ensure black people are not only survive, but thrive. Okay. And you should support them. Um, all Americans should thrive. And black people are not an exception. They are the rule. We need to look at these barometers and we need to make sure it's fair. And as long as we've been unequal and we've been treating people's lives as less than, I don't know how we go forward. I got three parts. Um, the, the first part I'm just going to talk about. purpose of policing um, police brutality where does it come from why do we have it well we have this culture in the u.s of where we've disinvested in communities we've taken away the social workers we've taken away the mental health workers we've taken away the mental health hospitals we've taken away um all of these things you know the, these counselors in schools and we've put in police and police inherently are violent officers. They are violence officers. They are the hand of the state that hurts you, that hits you. They are the stick. They are never the carrot. They are never there to help you. It is what the police stand for. They are this authoritarian arm of the government, and we have doubled down on that. Even now during the protests, we've seen the National Guard being called in. 
in Washington D.C. to to clear um, Black Lives Matter Park out using uh, pepper balls and flashbangs and saying that it wasn't chemical weapons and it wasn't terror tactics. They have low-flying helicopters and patrols on every street. We see in Los Angeles indiscriminate, uh, and even in New York, uh, police cruisers driving into crowds of protesters indiscriminate gassing with uh, pepper spray out the window of these cruisers. There was a man just a few days ago that was shot by a police officer in his cruiser. Didn't even leave the, the, the cruiser. Didn't even talk to this person. Was just shouting at him from his cruiser. This is considered okay because police officers have qualified immunity. They already have a position of respect. They already have a position of extra powers. And here they are. They can get away with murder. And so they murder. Has to stop. And reforms and community training and trying to teach the police to be nicer doesn't work. We need to cut their budgets in half or more. Most U.S. cities have a budget for the US, the, the police that is over 25% of their whole budget. Sometimes up to 40%. 40 cents on every dollar that the state and the city takes from you is going to go to policing. And then they get federal funds, they get federal equipment, they get militarization, they get old military equipment given to them by the the federal government. This has to stop. We do not need this many police. We do not need them to be armed this way. We do not need them ready for war. If they need mental health treatment, if they need um, more support, then give it to them. But what they definitely need is to enter a situation without a gun. If their lives are not being threatened, they do not need to have that gun. Because we've seen that if they have it, they use it. There was a man just over the weekend in Atlanta who fell asleep in a drive-thru at a Wendy's behind the wheel. The police came to uh, to talk to him, obviously not to protect him, obviously not to get him to safety. They came to talk to him, asked him to move his car. They got him to move the car. Um, and then they were in the process of arresting him, and he was compliant. And he said his uh, sister lived nearby. He just wanted to go to his sister's place. He just wanted to sleep it off, and you know, he wasn't a danger to them or anyone. He was compliant. And they breathalyzed him, and they... They found out he was under the influence. And as they're arresting him, he started to resist. He started to get violent. And what did he do when he got violent? He grabbed their taser. And he ran away. He didn't attack them. He didn't want to get handcuffed. He didn't want to go to jail. He didn't want to be put through that. He grabbed a taser and he ran away. As he was running, he was shot three times in the back. Running away from the police. The um, 
the Wendy's was burnt to the ground by protesters. The police officer was fired. And his partner was suspended and the police uh, chief resigned. So that's good that that happens in Atlanta, but it's bad that that happens at all. And if the police did not have guns or tasers on the scene when the man did not have guns and he was asleep, there would not be anyone dead. There would not be anyone thinking that they could be killed. That's a problem. Police in this country were founded, these rolling patrols, to make sure that property was protected and the property was black lives. Black people were property in the United States of America and the police were there to hunt them down. That's what they did. A lot of the times, people in communities could take care of themselves. They had guns. They had posses. They had a, one or two sheriffs. It wasn't a situation that required massive police forces. But the property of slave owners, the slaves themselves, required a police force. And now, the rights of the property owners of the haves in this country are supported and enforced by the police. That is their function. Their only real function. They have this CPR in New York City on the, on the cars that says uh, courtesy, professionalism, and respect. I don't believe any of those things. They use that very same car with courtesy, professionalism, and respect to run into peaceful protesters. Part two, the criminalization of the other. You want to talk about police brutality. You want to talk about police reforms. We have a systemic racist problem in America. We are a white supremacist nation because we give white people extra. We give them extra rights and we take rights away from people that are not white. You know, we allow the white people to have more. And they are not really even the haves of society. But the have-nots are way more in black and brown communities. And there are ways to address the systemic inequality. But all of these things have been disinvested in. Mental health counseling, homelessness outreach, fair housing practices community oversight and community engagement with their police officers or with, you know, the, um, their schools. Schools should have counselors. We do not need police officers in our schools. We do not need them interacting with the homeless. We do not need them interacting with the mentally ill. We do not need them to be armed in our streets patrolling us as if some kind of authoritarian arm of the ownership class reminding us that there was slavery here and that some people were slaves.
and that some people, even today, are still considered less than. To combat systemic racism, we need to have systemic answers. Not these incremental, tinker around the edges things. We need systemic answers. We need to have universal systems like Medicaid and Medicare, and we need to have welfare refunded. We need to have people that are out of work, jobs programs, universal jobs programs. We need to include black and brown people because in the Green New Deal, the, the old New Deal, the New Deal under FDR, it did not include them, explicitly disincluded them. We need to have housing programs to make sure everybody in this country can have a house, can have a life that they can be proud of, can have a job that can earn them a middle income. You know what happened when black people finally had some kind of advantage where they could have a middle class? Globalization happened in the 60s. And that's why we have the Crips and the Bloods, and the deterioration of black and brown communities all throughout Los Angeles. Because the big companies that were there that employed all these people, the unions that protected them, they left. The unions were broken. We don't have union representation. We don't have workers' power in this country. We only have the ownership class. And how do they keep people in line? They use the police. They use funding. And guess what? As more and more people see the problems in the system, they see that our schools are underfunded. They see that our housing programs are underfunded. They see that our food programs are underfunded. They see that the, the, there's a discrepancy in, in outcomes from hospitals. They see that, you know, uh, people that are insured get, you know, with these particular kind of insurance, get preferential treatment in this country, medical treatment. Our civil rights if our economic rights are never defended, if we're not allowed to even have a conversation, if we're never allowed to have power, and by power I mean influence, by power I mean money, if we're never allowed to have power in this country, if black and brown people are never allowed to have power, they will never have a say to continue being voiceless. And they have every right to be angry. I'm angry. I can't even imagine if you're black in this country, how angry you must be. Chris Rock makes this, uh, this famous skit where, and, and it came up recently in the New York times interview with John Stewart, where did Chris Rock? Um, he said, you know, white people in this country would never trade places with any black person, even me. And I'm rich. And that says it all right there. Even for economic security, white people, would not want to be black. Maybe in a cultural sense, but not in a physical sense, not to embody what it means to be a black American. You do not have the right to life, no matter who you are as a black American. Your civil rights are near next to meaningless. Your vote is being taken for granted because it's the non-racist party. But are they? There's a 
the people that are in charge of corporations in this country are a minority. The richest people are a minority. The oligarchs are a minority. Some of them understand their power. Others don't. They know that they want more influence. They know that they want more power, but they don't really understand what they, the power they have. And as long as we allow that minority to set policy and agenda, and we, we encourage them to lead, and we don't have our representatives leading for us, it'll be rich white racists at the top. And that is not sustainable. In order for the great American experiment, which Cornel West came out recently and said it was broken, and he's right, it's failed, he's right. But for order for it to be redeemed, to work at all, we need to include as many people as possible in prosperity. And if we don't do that, I, I'm very scared. Here I am, nearly 40 years old. I'm scared in my lifetime we will not have the U.S. of A. It is not sustainable the way it is. And it has been doing nothing over the past 30 years, except decline, 40 years, my whole life. Ronald Reagan, J J uh, George W. Uh, George H.W. Bush. Then you have um, Bill Clinton, who really solidified the downfall of America with neoliberalism. We've gotten to a point where there is no heroes. And it only looks dire. And the streets are the only answer. We need to have systemic solutions to systemic problems. And racism is a systemic problem. So my third point, it's very easy here to call this a problem in the black community, to, to try and separate the black community, this, you know, less than 20% of the population from everyone else, to separate it from the 8% of Asians, to separate it from the, the, the slightly larger group of 19 to 20% of, uh, of Spanish people. But you're, when you add all of those groups together, you're going to get nearly 40% of the U.S. population. And all of them, black and brown people, all of them are considered less. Some of them can pass. And that becomes a discussion. Can I pass for white? Can I have a better life if I am seen a different way? You have to be obsessed with image because your very life depends on it. And I want to refute this idea that it is a black community problem and that this belongs to the black community. And the black community has a responsibility to stand up for their lives. It is not a black community problem. The problem of severe placing, the problem of the defunct government, the problem of systemic racism is a white problem, is a majority problem. If you benefit from white supremacy, if you have privilege in this nation, it is your responsibility to be accountable. You have to be 
anti-racist. I benefit from a racist system. I do not want to be a racist. I am an anti-racist. I am making this podcast right now to tell you explicitly that this is a white problem and we need to find a solution. Because our people, our police force, our people that are protecting the, the haves in society, protecting Amazon, protecting Bill Gates, protecting all of these Davos you know, jet setters, the people that are protecting the rights of multiple houses for the rich and, you know, small units that are dilapidated and filled with poison for the poor. That's what we do as a society and we need to do better. And that is our problem. It's not the black people that are responsible for white supremacy. And it's absurd to call the victim the perpetrator. It's absurd to make the victims of brutality responsible for reforming that brutality, as if everyone in this country had equal rights, had equal say, had equal means. That is absurd. The meritocracy of the United States of America is an absurd assertion. We are not equal here. And even if you get something like the Civil Rights Amendment, and even if you get these inclusions on paper in the Great American Experiment, you do not get the inclusions materially. And that's what white people need to do. We need to address the economic rights of every American, and we need to make it universal. Because if it's not universal, we can't say it's, you know, minimum wage, $15 minimum wage or Medicare for all. If we can't use any of these universal policies, then we absolutely cannot have an equal society. And if we don't do it, we have to admit to ourselves that we are, and our leaders are, and our ruling class is racist. Because they want to maintain a system of power and privilege amongst white people. Well, I'm Jewish, and we've had this skirt this line too. And a lot of people consider us white, and the broad, broader definition of white has changed over the years. Irish people, Italian people, they weren't considered white, and how they are. So inclusion has already happened in white supremacy. Why can't we just exclude it? You know, include every American. You know, I'm scared sometimes to walk some places in the U.S. because I know that racism is entrenched. Because I know and I see these symbols of the Confederacy that are still flown here. And there's been some progress. Recently, there's been toppling of statues to the Confederacy. Recently, there's been a move by the military to change the names of bases from Confederate generals heroes of a losing cause that was explicitly anti-American. There's been, there's the NFL and, and the NASCAR have decided to ban the Confederate flag. 
it's important that we do these cultural signalings, but it's more important that we have economic inclusion. So the next steps, how do we get away, how do we get away from this? Well, we have to not be on the sidelines. We have to do as much as we can to change things here. We have to. We have to be active in the liberation of American citizens. Because the hand of oppression comes from those who have all the power all the privilege people in the media people that go to harvard and columbia people that are you know these lawyers that are high up in government and they're they're very well off people that are um in in uh, the national government and the part of the political system they all benefit from the system as it is we don't just get anyone off the street in our media we don't get just anyone off the street to, to become a lawyer or to become a judge. We don't, it's a system of privilege that represses the majority so that some can have an excessive amount, more than they can even use, more they can even want. Jeff Bezos is a clear example. He's by far not the only one who he's hiring people that are were in the Obama administration. And he's trying to control the racism, you know, with the uh, smalls and the protests. They basically called him a racist. They, they, they called him an inarticulate black man using racist tropes in their internal memos. Amazon is currently spying on everybody that shops there, pinging their, their phones through Bluetooth. If you have your Bluetooth on because you use earphones or whatever, they can ping your phone and they can follow you indefinitely. That's a civil rights issue. But we don't have rights as we thought we might have here in the U.S. We have a system of different rights. Those in the ruling class, those in the privileged class, those with the best education, those with the most money, those are the ones that have the rights, the most rights. And they are actively suppressing and repressing. They are actively stopping the conversation from being about power sharing, being about a revolution and how we live, being about a new system that is more equitable. These oligarchs have a disproportionate reach and influence internationally. And we rely on the government to stop them because they're the only ones that can. And they have abdicated their responsibility because they are part or want to be part of those systems. We do not have the people represented in our government. So by default, that makes us not a democracy. Not even a representational democracy because the people that we're choosing to be those representatives are not at all reflective of who we are or what we go through. 
Cornel West says it's a, sometimes the case of black faces in high places where it's just tokenism. We need to help the material conditions of every American. And we, anything and everything that does not change that, does not make it better for every American, is the enemy, is a problem. Everything Joe Biden has, has suggested is a problem. The, the mayor of D.C. painting Black Lives Matter on the street while actually doing nothing to change her increase to the police budget. That's a problem. Jamie Dimon, the, the CEO of J.P. Morgan Chase, uh, bending a knee for Black Lives Matter. That's a problem. Amazon putting a, a, a banner that says Black Lives Matter, Hulu, uh, Netflix, all of these people are trying to exploit the movement and exploit the energy of the of these people that are being unquestionably exploited. All of these people that are angry and frustrated that need to express their anger, need to have a way to an outlet, need to use their right to assemble, their right to protest, right to show dissent as in addition to their vote. To be heard people that have been voiceless and been pushed into corners now with the economic crisis even more so we need to be very clear that the people here are demanding justice the people here are demanding an equitable share in the prosperity of america and anything and everything that is not interested in an equitable sharing of power a more proportional response in a democracy is the enemy and reinforces the current system of massive exploitation and racism. And there's some people on the left that say this is a problem with capitalism. I don't even want to talk about that, but it could be true. Cap capitalism inherently exists as a system where one employer gets to exploit many employees. Well, that is the reflection of what we have now. Now, can capitalist markets exist where there is no employer, but the employees are employer? Yes. You can have competition with support. You could have competition where you have profit sharing as being the way that the owners the employees get wages and ensure safety. There's absolutely no reason a democratic system like that can't be successful in America. Co-ops, worker co-ops, unionization where you have power of the labor force being heard, a seat at the table for the workers, worker representation. All of these things are totally possible within the capitalist system. So why don't we have it? Why don't we even hear about it? Seattle has set up an autonomous zone. So that could be a start. Could like Christiania back in the day. Maybe they can be given that land. Seems that the government is pulled out of that area and has allowed them to kind of work it. If they can prove that it works, that could be a way forward. 
we need to take our ideas and be sure about them and push for them. And we need to live our values. That seems to be what they're doing. So we definitely need to defund the police. We need to look at funding as a moral document and we need to our budgets and we need to say what our priorities are. Is your priority helping the poor or putting them in jail? Police kill or put people in jail. That's what they do. They are definitely about violence. We've encouraged it. We need to stop it. Thank you for your time. I hope that you found this informative. Um, please feel free to give me feedback on uh, the meaning what dot uh, anchor dot FM backslash meaning what you can leave me voice messages. You can also um, send me uh, emails at meaning what radio at gmail.com. Thank you so much. I hope to talk to you again soon.